Hi, Summer Ann. Hi, Isaac. How you doing? I am... <laughs> I'm a lot of things right now. I'm a lot of things this week, but a, I'm good. A bundle of emotions? Mm. Okay. Yep. What are we doing today? We're doing a podcast. It's going to be great. My name is Summer Ann Burton. And I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. Yes, you are. Uh, This is our show. It's called The Tell Show, and it's about storytelling and feelings and vulnerability. Um, And we have a really great guest this week. Um, I'm so excited. Me too. She's the best. Her name is Lena Waithe. Um, She's a writer, a producer, an actress, and you've probably seen her on the hit Netflix show Master of None as Denise. Look, here's the deal. She's straight, but lately I've been getting some serious vibes from her. Ooh, vibes that she wants to become a lesbian? No, vibes that she's curious about an adventure with Denise. It's not about changing a woman's sexuality, Dev. It's about one night in heaven. Look, I provide a service. What's the service? I can make a woman come more times in 20 minutes than she has in the last six months. Oh, that's a really good service. All right, I'm in. I'm your wingman. Oh, here she comes. God, she was so good. So good. Everyone's favorite. Like, everyone I know who watched Master of None was like, Lena Waithe is my new crush and the most amazing person ever absolutely she's going to talk about coming out after moving from chicago to la and what happens when your relationships with your friends and family change um and we're kind of just talking about long distance long distance relationships romantic not romantic do you have a long distance story? oh man so yeah i do what i want to talk about is like my first boyfriend my first love because he was very very generous with compliments and language and the sort of poetry of the fact that we were falling in love and I always look I always appreciate him for that like I as a 17 year old I was very insecure I didn't know what I was doing and I was you know didn't know what I was doing in a relationship or or with sex I lost my virginity to him and he constantly just said beautiful things to me there were a few things early in our relationship where we were apart for periods of time like I went to Canada for three weeks and then he went on a road trip for a month and those times as much as like spending quality time together was great I think it was the times that we were apart when we were writing letters to each other that was really like when we fell in love um but I thought that I would give you just a real example and read you a paragraph from a letter that he wrote me during that time okay cool 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 okay Shout out to Isaac. You're that. Oh, oh, by the way, his name was Isaac. What? <laughs> You're going to spring this on me now? Uh, okay. Well, anyway, I also appreciate him because I know that he wouldn't mind me doing this and a lot of people would. Thank you for reminding me to stay young. Thank you for your 100,000 kilowatt smile and your hands on my face as I'm falling asleep. Thank you for reading poetry to me, for introducing me to your friends, for thinking about me, for caring. Thank you for all your emails and the phone calls and the letters and the pick-me-ups. Thank you for your jealousy. Thank you for your honesty, for your time and space, for asking me what was wrong that day in the grocery store. Thank you for not smoking. Thank you for reminding me if I'm being an ass. Thank you for your lips and your breasts and your thighs, for your virginity and your energy. Thank you for reviving me, for the dates and the plans and the hopes and the dreams. Thank you for believing in me and for letting me believe in you. Thank you for the compliments and criticisms, for the mocha frappes and for your insights. Thank you for laughing at my stupid jokes. 
Thank you for introducing me to your folks and for all the days that we spend just wandering. Thanks for sleeping next to me, for stringing up Christmas lights, for lighting a fire and making soup, for all the good conversations and the silence. Thank you for being you all the time and thank you for loving me. Holy shit. Yeah. That's, that's my, that was my first love. And that's, you know. Yeah, man, I would set, fall in love with him too. Set, a, set an interesting standard for the rest of my life. <laughs> do you have. Um, I do. I do. Long distance. Um, like basically one of the most poignant times uh, in my relationship with my father is when we were actually living in different places. Around the age of seven or eight, my mother and I moved. We, we were living in inner city Boston, and my mother and I moved out to rural northern Massachusetts. And uh, I basically, I would only see my father like every other weekend. But during that time, my father uh, decided that it was time that we read Lord of the Rings. Um, and so for that entire year... While I was out there, my father would read the Lord of the Rings and record it on tape. Oh, man. And he would send them to our house. And, like, it was one of the closest moments that I've had with my dad. And we were, like, 70 miles apart. Can you tell me a little bit about listening to your dad? Like, what did he sound like? He has a very, I mean, he's a very good reader. Mm. He's a good speaker and he's a good reader. And he had like kind of this deep voice. Did he ever do, did he do stuff like character voices or like? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> he did. He did the whole thing and he wouldn't skip, you know, I feel like in Lord of the Rings, there's got to be a temptation. Like, I don't think he's saying the Elven songs, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh yeah, did he, did he like I don't interpret think, Elvish? No, I don't think he's saying it, but he definitely read it. He didn't skip them. He was a very big, That's e incredible. He, no skimming, word for word. That's how he raised me as a reader. But yeah. Yeah, no, it was wonderful. Last month, BuzzFeed hosted a live storytelling night, Love to Love to Love You, at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Um, Isaac Fitzgerald, my co-host, was also the host of that event, and he was able to get uh, Lena Waith to be a reader. We were so excited. She was going to headline this event, uh, but the thing is, she could only come to Brooklyn for, like, one night. And, like, not even one night. It was like she was going to, like, get off the plane, go to the Bell House, do the show, and then she was, like, out of town at 6 a.m. the next mm -hmm. morning. So we taped an interview with her backstage at a bar, so you may hear some random noises, uh, but we hope that just adds some color because um, you're going to fall in love with her as much as we did. Lena Waithe is a comedian, actress, and screenwriter. She played Denise on the Netflix series Master of None. And she's here with us now, backstage at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York City. Lena, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. What's up? How we doing? I'm doing really well. Do you want to talk about Never Have I Ever? Um, yeah. So whenever we have a guest on our show, we play a quick round of Never Have I Ever to loosen up. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way that the game works is that each of us will say a thing that we have never done. And if you are listening and you have done it, you'll ring a bell that sounds like this. And uh, then we'll talk about it a little bit. Nice. Uh, Isaac, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. I could definitely start. Um, never have I ever written a love letter. What? <laughs> Those are I write two. them all the time. What do you mean write them all the time? <laughs> I write, like, I wrote my girl a love letter before I left at the airport this morning. Like a Aww. love email? No, like a handwritten thing. Like, 
I, I like there's like a little yellow you know legal pad on the dining room table and I just said hey Alana I hope you have a great day I'm gonna miss you while I'm gone enjoy your day and I will hurry home all my love Lena have you ever sent one via mail yes because she like digs that but it's hard to do because we live together now no like before that I would like write her I'd send her love letters to her office or to her crib it's a it's a it's a it's a here's the deal it's an easy way to like get a little romance out there it doesn't cost you much get you a stamp (laughs) use your best handwriting I I love love letters I've written many love letters in my life the two ladies I'm like, I've texted like a heart emoji. You you did a screenshot of your penis. (laughs) And you said, this could be yours. Your assignment for after tonight is to write your girl a love letter. Do it. You can mail it to her work. That's a good, that's a good idea. Um, Never have I ever gone for longer than a month without talking to my mother. And that was two bells at once. Two bells. How long have you gone? I don't know. I've gotten bad about it. When's the last time you called her? Well, I called her the other day because I had she was in my dream. Was it a good dream? Well, it was kind of like it was like it was it was kind of creepy because like something had happened to her, and mm-hmm. I was like feeling bad because like oh I haven't talked to her, so mm-hmm. it was my, definitely my subconscious. I think yeah, and that's then, a dream that you call your mom after. Yeah, then, then I called her the next morning. I left the East Coast uh, and I went to San Francisco uh, for a really long time. And the first two years that I was out there, I never came back. And so for like, I would say a year. Wow. I didn't call home. Okay. All right. The real story. The real, real. <laughs> yeah. Is, let's go there. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to hear before. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. Is she I, would send helicopters. So like... <laughs> I probably went a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote this piece, which was the first piece I ever got paid to write. Mm-hmm. And it was about letting a woman fuck me in the ass with a strap on. Wow. Second time this has come up on this. All right. Well. I'm like so interested in this moment right now. I'm like so <laughs> happy to be here at this table at this moment. So, this so, is the most like emotional conversation I've had like outside of my girlfriend in like oh. years. <laughs> like. I got to go, like, do something crazy after this. <laughs> like, be silly after this. Like, so after you wrote your story about pegging... Well, you... so so that's the thing. is It's almost this thing where, like, the silence had become a pretty large gap. Yeah. And then the second I published that, mm-hmm. I know they found it. Mm-hmm. And it was real easy for them not to call for a while after that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's doing some weird stuff in San Francisco. We're not going to call him for a little while. And then, you know, after six months, it was just, like, classic Irish-American family. Just, like... Standing in corners. How about the Red Sox? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. we just we just picked it up. We pretended that year to like didn't exist, right? Mm. How about you? And never have I ever. Mine is not that deep. I'm like mine's like never have I ever skinny dipped. Ooh. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Yeah, I gotta fucking do it, man. It's something I feel like I see in movies and it makes sense. But then when I try to do it, like logistics, always people are like, well, it's cold or we're going to put our clothes. It always gets like very technical. Did you grow up in the city? Well, yeah, I did. I grew up on South Side of Chicago. So, so that's a, I mean, that's that another yeah. many opportunities to do it. But I didn't for a long time. I was never like I, I've always been a really open 
person who like wanted to have really intimate ex- intense experiences with my friends but i was also very uncomfortable with my own body hmm. and like i was like the person who like didn't want to shower with other girls or like oh, wow. take you know when i was in high school and all your teenage girlfriends like change in front of each other mm-hmm. and like talk about their areolas or whatever like i was like keeping my t-shirt on like sitting in the corner i was probably 26 the first time I went skinny dipping hmm. and I was away. I went to a, um, a reunion event for a camp that I went to as a teenager. And this guy that I had had a huge crush on when I was a teenager, he had since in the years that had passed, come out and realized he was gay and was hmm. dating a guy who he brought to the reunion event. And they one night at like 2 AM were like, let's go skinny dipping. And I was like, this is the perfect yeah. time for me to go skinny yeah. dipping yeah. like I'm gonna see a dick I've always wanted to see <laughs> but <laughs> these two guys aren't gonna care that like I have tiny boobs and a uh, tummy I love that and that's what you need is like gay guys and somebody that just says let's do it yeah Let's talk about the story you're here to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because I was, because I've been doing, you know, some interviews lately and like promoting the show and just like talking about myself and all that kind of stuff that you kind of have to do when you become a public person. But the, but interestingly enough, and I was thinking about what's something that I haven't like talked about was like my coming out story. Mm. And it's interesting because it's sort of, well, one, it's, it's like probably the most difficult thing a person can do like really it's like because you're conjuring up enough bravery and courage to have a conversation with your family and friends that could result in them never speaking to you again or like disowning you so I think what people don't realize is like what takes so long or what the nerves are about is because you're worried that the, once you say it to someone that they can like walk away and the interesting thing is I had to like come out like three different times to three different people, like one to my sister, one to my friends at the time. Cause I was like just out of college or I may have still been in college when I told my, my friends. And then I had graduated college when I told my mom. At that point, had, did you feel like you had always known? Yeah. Or was there, yeah you had always yeah. known. And also too, I was never a girly girl. So I kind of fit that stereotype as well. Yeah. So I was part of me that was even angry that I had to come out because it was so obvious and evident. <laughs> like <laughs> what was happening. And right. so there was like legit anger too. Like, like yeah. what the heck? Yeah. It was with my mom particularly. Cause I was like, dude. Well, I think it's also probably anger. Like that thing that you're talking about of the fear. Like it's like you have that fear, but it's also like, well, fuck you. If mm-hmm. That is what happens. Exactly. And also, like, straight people don't need to announce themselves. What the fuck? Right. Yeah, it's definitely a a rites of passage, you know, for for every gay person. I think Mm -hmm. it's one of the things that also connects us, too, because it's like you go through this very traumatic thing. But I think for me, it's really easier to come out to a sibling. My sister was, like, in her 20s, you know, as well. And and I think she's had a different viewpoint of, like, being gay or straight and and just having a different relationship with me so I told her over the phone I was living in LA and I was like driving onto a lot that I was working on at the time and I just said I was like hey look I just want to have a conversation with you first and I said look I'm I'm a lesbian and I, I feel like I've always known that and I just want to tell you that and she goes well, duh, like, I know, like, you know, well, I'm glad you're saying something. And, you know, and I said, look, I was like, don't tell Ma yet. I'm like, I want to do that. But I just wanted to like tell you. And she was like, okay, well, look, I'm really like happy you're telling me this now. And I'm happy that we're having this conversation. And, and it was just very easy. It was as simple as that. 
but with my friends who were my high school friends and who this was back in Chicago back in Chicago yeah so I actually come home to visit and I like went over to one of the friends house and I like had all of them gathered in the living room <laughs> and I couldn't even say the word to them I said Lebanese what? I, was like, I, think I'm, I was like I'm Lebanese and they were like bitch that's a country like what the fuck <laughs> And, and I was just like, because for some reason it was just, I was more uncomfortable like to say it to them and to have that conversation, but you know, had that conversation. And then later my mom, I think is what happened was, I think there was a lot of whispering and conversation that was happening in Chicago about it. I think because I had told my sister and I think I also told my mom's friends and like, so, but I hadn't told my mom. So it was just like a lot of that chatter happening. So I was talking to my mom on the phone and, and she would, this is when we talked more frequently and she would like try to like get me to come out over the phone. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just not gonna do that. No. And and so how did that kind? Of, was she like, so I was she talking to your sister? No, 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 because <laughs> she didn't tell her. And I said, I'll talk to you when you get out here. So she did. She flew out. And I remember I came out. It was a Mel's Diner on Ventura. And I'm just like, look, I'm a gay person. And I was like, and I don't think that makes me, you know, any less of a person. I was like, I'm still your daughter. I'm still the person you've always known. And. And I, and I don't think this should change anything, even though it, it, it seems like it's a big change. I said, but it really, I don't think it is. And, you know, and I said, I really want to be a, a happy, healthy person. And I said, I think in order for me to, to do that, I need to just be very honest and, and, and open with you about this, this thing. And, you know, and she, she said, she's like, look, I love you. And, you know, but she's still a middle-class black mother. So it's the first thing she was like, well, don't tell your grandmother. And like, let's not tell the neighbors and like that, that kind of thing. And, and it wasn't in a, a mean-spirited way, but I think it was just that thing of she's always been about keeping up with appearances, as, as I think most middle-class black folks do. You, you, you kind of want to have a certain image of, of what people think of you. It, but ultimately, as I, and again, I, you never can foresee your career, your future. I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I didn't think I would be as public as a person as I am now, but I always knew that I never wanted to hide who I was. I didn't want to be that person. I was like, it's because it's like, the more I'm a big believer in visibility is power. And the more people you see out in the world being them, their authentic selves, I, I think it's helpful to young people who live in Detroit, who live in Chicago, who live in Tappahannock, Mississippi, and kind of to see that and go, oh, wow, like, okay, they have a normal life. They seem very happy. And, you know, I'm a black person. I'm a gay person. I'm a female person. Like, all those things are a part of my identity. So I don't think my mom is like pissed about that now because she's happy about the success or she's cool. But the whole thing about caring about who mm-hmm. knows sort of kind of went out the window because as I became more of a public person, I, I just never, I, I didn't care. I kind of was like, fuck it. Like I'm gonna let people know who I am. And if she yeah. got an issue with it, she can bring it to me. And she never has. So, you know, there's that. And she's, you know, it's she, you know, and I live with my girlfriend. I've been with my girlfriend for almost two years now. And she will ask about my girlfriend and is a, a lot more comfortable with it now. But, you know, it's not like she's not waving a, a P flag situation. <laughs> she's not know? marching. She's, no. not, she's not coming to town for the but pride parade. I don't know if I need that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we weren't, it, you know, it'd be different if, like, you know, and our relationship has evolved. You know, we're not as close as we once were. So I'm not as like bothered by it really do you feel but, like that's more because you've become a more independent person yeah yeah and also too i just have a very busy life but it's also a very artistic life as well and that can be draining and like and we know like as you grow and mature emotionally if there are people in your life that aren't doing things like that there sometimes becomes a bit of a, a, a distance and a bit of a space when your parent is still in that same city that you grew up in they're still in the same house and doing the same things that also can be a bit of a 
a, a thing where you kind of you lose things to talk about and there's not you don't have as much in common as you, you you once did you know and there's a sort of happiness or joy that I think I found in my work and in my love life and and I think she's still searching for that and you were also talking about the differences in generations mm-hmm. and representation is such a huge part of that like I feel like it is really touching for me to think about kids now growing up and being able to see someone like you because I think that probably when you were a kid and Mm -hmm. you were like this tomboy who was grappling with this thing there was no example right again it's like I'm a young person so the fact that when I'm was a younger person to not see really representation of like any any gay people and really not definitely not any gay people of color like that's like please like you didn't see that anywhere yeah so you definitely feel like an alien on like on the planet and you kind of wonder like what's wrong with me what's going on and and you don't really understand what's happening until you're like in college and that's what the cool thing about now is people who are younger than us you know in high school they're out they're they're they're, they're you hear about certain like girls taking girls to prom to me that stuff is super exciting because what it says to me is that when those girls are my age, they won't be like experiencing love for the first time at like 28, you know, and sometimes, but you know what, I think there is that thing, which I think gay people or people who are coming out should realize that sometimes relationships are going to change. And and sometimes it's not a person being bigoted or, you know, homophobic. It's just a person kind of going like, I may need some space or I don't necessarily know how to be in that friendship now that that shifted. Cause some people go, no big deal. What's the what's the big what's the big difference? But other people, you gotta meet them where they're at and give them space and understand that it, it may be difficult, a little bit more difficult for some people. That's a really generous way to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I like I respect it, but I think it's remarkable for you to sort of look at someone who has that experience of like needing distance from you because of your sexuality mm. and be able to feel understanding of it. I think that's very gracious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, look, it's not easy at first. It takes time to kind of get there. But I think when you sort of look back on it and have retros, you know, have, you can kind of sort of get perspective. I think that sort of is what it is. I think, and you know, this is always going back to that thing of when I don't understand something, I try to put myself in that person's shoes and yeah. trying to understand what that's like of someone who is like your best friend and you've done everything together and you talk all the time. And then it's like things sort of kind of literally turn and sort of on a dime and, and, and sometimes it's just never the same. Do you miss being close with your mother? Or do you think this is part of becoming an adult and becoming the person you were meant to be? You know, I don't miss it. I look at it as me becoming an adult and not being so codependent and not necessarily needing that crutch. And, and also, too, it's about building new relationships that I, I think that's one of the reasons why I think it's my, my friendship and my love relationship with my girlfriend is as strong as it is because I'm not so concerned about what my mother thinks about a thing or, you know, always sort of like taking her advice to the letter. And so it's a thing of me really kind of figuring out who I am and the life I want to live and, and really being very clear on how I want to walk through the world. But it is odd. I, I would have never guessed I wouldn't be as close to her at this point, you know, because I was very close to her, you know, for a long time. But I think it really was about, oh, OK, I'm an adult now and I'm doing I'm adulting and I'm doing these things. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I do the thing, like, I have to go to the cleaners. I'm doing laundry and I'm like going to pick up my girlfriend's prescription at CVS. All these like little things that like that I saw my mom do as an adult. And so now I'm doing it and just sort of like 
time like there's only so many hours in the day and I kind of look up and I go oh I haven't talked to my mom today but I think the thing is it's sort of like when I have those dreams or when I'm thinking about it just sort of make the time to reach out and, and call but I'm telling you it's an odd thing for me but I, I also think it's a part of growing up All right, so we asked three questions of every guest. Okay. So our first question is, what was your last kiss like? <laughs> my last kiss? Yeah. I had a, a lovely last kiss with my girlfriend before I got on the plane very early this morning. It was like the, you know, there's something about a goodbye kiss when you're going to get on the plane and you're going to go away. Because, not to get morbid, but you never know. And so... I always sort of give that kiss of to remember this, like like no matter what happens, like if I don't if I don't come home, like remember this kiss and, and know that I always loved you and like no one will ever love you as much as I do this very moment right now. So, good God, <laughs> that was my last kiss. So our next question is, tell us about the last time you cried. You know what? It was and it wasn't a a big cry but I'm gonna count this one it's like because it was like my eyeballs got sweaty and like it was like I was like emotional but but, so I'll I'll count it it was literally a couple days ago because again sort of I'm gonna tie it to my girlfriend she's gonna be pissed I told the story but like (laughs) here's the thing my girlfriend and I are very close like we we're very you know we're like one so when she's in a bad mood that energy is transferred like I then feel I internalize it as well I always go like something I did or, or uh, do something can, can I do something to make you happier and the truth is she just was like just had a, a rough day and, this, and the thing is and I, it was surprising because we've been texting throughout the day everything is fine she comes home and I can tell from that kiss where she I'm like uh oh something's off what's going on but because she's like my best friend and I'm I'm happiest when she's in a happy space when I went to bed that night like I was like and I was like trying to like comfort her, like rub her back. And she was just sort of like not having it. And, you know, and I tried to, tried to give her a kiss. So I love her. And then I turned over and was like a little emotional because I felt sad that I couldn't make her happy. But you got to, but we have a thing about your feelings are valid. Your feelings are always valid. What's wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> what? What's wrong with me? Huh? That's a, how much time do we have? <laughs> Um, not much so far. No, no, no. Actually, you know, know, I actually have a thing about the fact that I am so emotional, actually. I mean, that's objective. If somebody, some people say, oh, no, it's a good thing. I feel like it's a bit of a hindrance. You know, I feel like it's sometimes because I'm so emotional that sometimes it does stop me from like being able to finish on a task or do something, you know, because I have to sit in that and like live in that, whatever that emotion is in that moment. If I'm angry, if I'm frustrated, if I'm upset, you know, there are certain times I wish I could compartmentalize or be stronger or kind of like shrug things off and go, because oh, there are times where, you know, I, I do sometimes think like, what's wrong with me that I am so, you know, I'm so sensitive to it, but I don't know if I can. That's the thing. Right. Like, I mean, I've just, I've just always been like, even as a kid, I was like, you call it cry baby and that kind of thing, because I was just very, it's, I, my emotions are, are right on, on the surface. So I'm here to thing. say, 
fuck stronger. You're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend agrees with you. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you. Almost sometimes I'm trusting me. My emotions get on her nerves every now and again. You just want to admit it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, guys. Lena Waithe again is a comedian, actress, and screenwriter. She played Denise on the Netflix series Master of None. She's a writer, performer, producer for Dear White People. Uh, she's kicking all sorts of ass. You can find her online. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Next time on The Tell Show, we're going to talk about bodies. In the meantime, we sent producer Julia Furlon out onto the streets of New York to ask people about their favorite body parts. Um, what, what is your favorite body part and why? Um, oh my, I don't, my favorite body part? On a man or a woman? On whoever you want. <laughs> I can't answer that on, on a microphone. Why not? It's too spicy. It sure is. <laughs> Eyes. 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 Can't hide anything from the eyes. Can't alter it. You can tell a lot by people just by, you know, a look, a glance. Yeah. Gonna have to go with my fabulous nose. I mean, I love the booty. I like my smile. Not my teeth, just like the expression, because I think it's pretty. I think it would have to be my lips because it can be very seductive and visually appealing without being vocal at the same time. Probably my feet. That's sexy. What makes your feet sexy? Well, they everybody told me that I have beautiful feet, beautiful toes. That tendon that sort of connects, I guess, the thigh muscle to the calf muscle, and it kind of goes up along the side of the knee. And on people with very defined legs, it's like this creates this little tunnel that you can just put your thumb in. My voice, because it makes me money, that's what I use for a living. Yeah, so I preach and sing and do poetry, and so it's all from the sound of my voice. Well, for me, it would have to be hands, particularly a man's hand. I think that tells a lot about them. So I'm always keen to look at somebody's hands first. The Tell Show is produced by Meg Kramer. With editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss-Berman. And production help from Julia Furlon and Eleanor Kagan. Thanks so much to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios for recording the show. And also, many thank yous to Love Inks who composed our music. You can always email us at thetellshow at buzzfeed.com. Have I mentioned that I love emails? <laughs> we'll be back with another show next week. Woohoo!